Welcome to the Three Wins Podcast brought to you by Legacy Advisory Partners. My name's Sean Lydon, the producer of the Three Wins, and we've designed this podcast for CEOs, CFOs, and really any executive who oversees employee benefits to talk about smart strategies, new ideas, and current events that impact how your company attains and retains your top talent. In the last episode, Russ Clemmer, Mark Walker, and Matt Joins talked about how to roll out a deferred compensation plan in a way that offers a positive experience for your participating executives. The question today is, how do you fund a deferred compensation plan? And what are some strategies to consider to help put your plan in the best position to ultimately pay for itself? We dive into these questions and more on today's episode of the Three Wins Podcast. Hello and welcome back to the Three Wins Podcast. My name is Russ Clemmer at Legacy Advisory Partners, and I'm joined by my colleagues, Matt Joins and Mark Walker again. Thanks, guys, for joining in. I have to. Thanks for having us. So uh, the the couple, last couple of podcasts have been uh, working on deferred, talking about deferred compensation plans. Uh, it really the idea of rehabbing uh, plans for uh for folks out there who have either inherited a plan that they don't understand or just over time, the purpose of the plan has become unclear um, or they have this ballooning liability. They don't know what anything, don't know what to do with. So there's different reasons that uh, a, a plan may need to be rehabbed. But so two episodes ago, we talked about purpose. Uh, we, we dug into the details of, of if you don't know why your plan exists, then there's some shortcomings in the in the way that the plan is put together, uh, and you're definitely not communicating it to the right people in the right way. And that was the second thing: uh, how do you communicate it well to the participants so that they see value in it, and it also gives the company some re- good uh, incentive, uh, uh, attract, uh, retain, and incent power. Uh, and, and build some enthusiasm within uh, that highly compensated uh, executive level group. Um, and then the last piece we're going to talk about today is the uh, what to do with the liability. And so we call this the funding episode, deferred compensation funding is a big question um, that unfortunately uh, is often left up to um, really the people in the organization that may not fully understand the plan. Um, and if you're not working well together and if you don't have a clear purpose, you don't have, you know, people who understand the plan uh, and what it's there for, you can make some wrong decisions on the funding side. Uh, and so we want to address uh, so the uh, a tax question. Um, we want to uh, address affordability. We want to address uh, a, a couple of different areas uh, where it comes to um, the the cash management side of things. And so this is really an episode where um, where the rubber meets the road, you've got a good plan in place. You've got uh, participants who are actively involved in the plan. The plan is doing what it needs to do. And the blessing, if I can say it that way, the blessing of a liability, uh, which is the 
uh, IOU to pay this future benefit out in the, if, at a future date, the, the blessing of a liability is there. So we want to manage it well. So we're going to dig into that today. Mark and Matt are going to walk us through some uh, important things there. Um, but really, we it, kind of the, the central focus, Mark and Matt, that we uh, like to start around is how do we get one of these plans to pay for itself? Right. And so we want to start with that concept because we could talk about mutual funds. We could talk about are you paying taxes? We could talk about, uh, you know, some other ways of putting the cash aside and letting it grow. But if the, the right mindset is how do you how do you get the plan to pay for itself? So, Mark and Matt, unfold that, unpack that a little bit for us uh, and for our audience today. Sure. I think it's a you know, concept that's not really talked about much in the deferred compensation space when you're talking about funding. So I think there's two different aspects of you know, ways that the plan can ultimately pay for itself. You know, one is if you have a long-term incentive plan, you know, could be more for a closely held business where you are identifying some benchmarks um, that on increased profitability, you know, reaching a certain level and your executive group, you know, has this collaboration effect on profits that we've been talking about. So you're, you're keeping this goal in front of them, you know, you're reaching new levels, you know, and at the end of the year, you've reached your benchmark. So when you think about it, you know, really your, uh, efforts of putting together strategy, you know, on a increased level of profitability is a way that's helping basically fund that benefit. So these are what we call newfound dollars or newfound uh, profits that were derived from this uh, visible, tangible goal, you know, that they've been able to, to reach and attain. So you've reached that level, so it's, it's helping fund itself from that perspective. Uh, really the second option of having the plan ultimately pay for itself, you know, many corporations, uh, deferred compensation plans have been around for, you know, 50 plus years with large corporations, you know, funding these benefits, you know, often through corporate owned life insurance or trust owned life insurance. So under the IRS rules, you know, the corporation can take out insurance on the executives with their approval, um, where the corporation is the owner and beneficiary of the policies. They're using life insurance really just as the, the tax efficiencies. So they get the tax deferred growth. Well, if you've had a plan for in place for many years and you're insuring, you know, 15 to 20 plus people, you know, within your organization, you know, eventually one of the executives will pass away. You know, the money comes back to the corporation tax-free. You know, you can ultimately pay that, you know, if that participant's still with your company or had been with your company, you know, you pay their benefit out. And there's probably a surplus of death benefit that's coming back to the corporation. So we've had many plans in the past where you've had an executive who has passed and uh, it's created a surplus in the trust. So 
that's a way to ultimately have the plan pay for itself. The, the cost that you're, you're paying for admin costs and, and other items, you know, when those death proceeds come back in, it basically is helping the, the corporation reimburse itself for, for having the program in play for many years. Yeah, and having it informally funded means there's many different options and any sort of excess that we can generate on the on the funding side is just going to help us in the future. Maybe it's offsetting uh, future deferrals because we've got more money in there uh, than we originally needed. Our liability is smaller than our assets. That's kind of the dream scenario. So there's many different ways that we can manage that and uh, just try to make the most efficient funding model possible. When we talk about the plan paying for itself, uh, it's, it, it, there's some uh, unique things for a smaller business to think about. One with a smaller team to retain, um, one where an owner may be trying to set up a future transition um, of either ownership to a, another family member or ownership to uh a team they're trying to cultivate and 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 grow uh, so the business can continue to be successful. And the idea is allowing the uh, the key folks in the company to help to to participate in the success they help create. And so uh, budgeting is the key thing here. So if you budget really well and you build your targets and you know what you're trying to accomplish financially in the firm, then it's it's uh, an easy next step to say, well, if this is what we should be able to achieve with a high level of collaboration, a high level of teamwork, um, then that's that that success right there is going to be above and beyond what you would be able to do if you just had average teamwork and average collaboration. So, the say the goal is a million bucks. And the uh, the, the uh, revenue goal for a highly collaborative team is a million too, right? Could be 100 million and 120 million, whatever the number you want to use for an example. That extra success is that above and beyond, and that is where the cash comes from to fund this benefit. So it's not only where the award is. Uh, calculated, but it's also where that additional cash comes from. So it's not coming out of uh, future R&D. It's not coming out of uh, what the shareholder is trying to achieve personally or shareholders. It's not coming out of all these different areas where you want to make sure the, the corporation is still able to win. And so that's where the three wins concept really applies to both larger corporations and smaller companies that are closely held so that everybody feels good and understands why this benefit is being uh, paid out. And really this is, this should be a byproduct of kind of our other two episodes were uh, participant experience and design. So if we have all the participants on the same page. Everybody is in lockstep with management. We know what our goal is. We know what we're trying to accomplish. We're all headed there at the same time in the same direction. That's very powerful. And then designing the plan 
in order to generate kind of that excess margin and generate, you know, additional profits that would not have been there without that sort of design, that alignment. What we're talking about, the funding should just be, well, you know, we, the plan accomplished what it was supposed to. We have these excess dollars. We did hit these margins that we never thought we could. And now we need to basically uh, informally or be ready to, to pay out these benefits when it's time. So we're generating the cash just from the design of the plan. And now it's a matter of just doing our part as uh, the plan administrator or the owner of the company, making sure that uh, you're putting your money where your mouth is basically and, and being ready to uh, pay those dollars out because you're so happy to pay them out because everyone did such a great job reaching those goals together. Yeah. Yeah. And that really is a, that, that's a fun thing to think about. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if you're putting a, if you're putting a plan in place just because your competitor has a plan in place, you still want to do it well, but you also want to, it's a fun concept to be able to say, how do we design this so that everybody is winning? And that's where really where that three wins uh, framework comes from. Mark, let's, let's shift for a minute. Um, in, in, in a comment you made a minute ago, we were talking about the, um, you know, the, the idea of uh, taxes and different ways of funding. So can you break down for me um, the pros and cons of, of uh, you know, so you have this liability that's generated and it's deferred compensation, meaning the cash still stays on the books. On the company balance sheet, there is cash that was not expensed because it hasn't been paid out to anybody, right? The company still holds the cash. So what to do with that cash is the question. What are the, and break down, cause you can just leave it in cash. Uh, you know, God forbid you actually just spend it on something else, right? Because you have this growing liability and nothing's happening yeah. with it. We never <clears throat> recommend that, but you have the cash, you have maybe some sort of investment that you put it in. Um, and just kind of break those things down and walk us through what options um, are in front of uh, corporations out there. Sure. Yeah, if a corporation is a tax-paying entity, mm-hmm. you know, as you described, you know, when the participant you know earns this award, or if the plan allows for employee deferrals, you know, those deferrals from the participants are a pre-tax benefit you know, until those payments are, are made to them later. Mm-hmm. So you know, it's an IOU, a liability that you're having to book, you know, for going forward. <clears throat> so we think it's important, you know, that you set aside informally fund assets to back that future liability. So when you are wanting to set up an account, there's a couple of things you want to look at is, you know, within the, uh, account or the, the money that's deferred for the executives and any awards that are achieved, you know, the plan's going to allow for some investment options, either some kind of fixed rate or typically a, a mutual fund lineup. So what we, what you want to do is look at from a aggregate level. So looking at what all the participants are doing 
what's the overall allocation, you know, of stocks, uh, bonds, you know, cash. And you want to make sure you're mirroring that allocation in your asset funding mm-hmm. so that, you know, they're keeping pace with one another. So if you, let's say you credit a million dollars as a liability and your participants are in a, you know, a mixture of 60% equities, 40% bonds and, and get a 7% rate of return. Well, if you set aside that million dollars, you know, in a money market account, you know, day one, your assets and liabilities match, but a year later, you know, they've earned 7% and money market rates are, you know, what, 0.25 right now? Yeah. So that would be called, that would be a mismatch where your, your liabilities are growing faster than your assets. So you want to make sure that you're setting up an account that's going to to mirror what the participants are doing from a an asset allocation approach. Try to, if possible, use the the same funds that the participants are using, or at least as close as you can, you know, in the same uh, investment class, uh, so forth. So a vehicle that you use, you know, there's a couple options. One is you could use mutual funds to mirror what they're doing. Uh, so the, there's some advantages of mutual funds. You know, mutual funds are, are fully liquid. You can get to them at any time. Uh, the, you know, the, the money when you're booking, you're gonna be booking those assets on a monthly basis. Um, over time, as the plane gets larger and larger, the drawback of mutual funds is your the corporation is going to be having to pay taxes on dividends, uh, short-term and long-term capital gains. So if that liability in the assets gets large, you know, the tax burden can become pretty, pretty burdensome. So an alternative is to set up trust-owned or corporate-owned life insurance. Uh, so you would the Insure a group of executives. Um, typically, it's going to be guaranteed issues, so no medical exams required. When you're setting up within the life insurance, you basically have what's called separate accounts, which are like mutual funds, and you could have you know mirror the participants' overall aggregate liability. Uh, the advantage you have in the trust-owned or corporate-owned insurance is the money is going to grow tax deferred. So you're not, as it's accumulating, you're not paying taxes. Uh, If somebody passes away, the money comes back to the corporation tax free so that you can pay out plan benefits and, you know, other funding. Um, The drawback to that is, is you, you do have insurance costs. So what you want to do is model, you know, is the corporation better off Funding the plan, you know, looking at your tax bracket, you know, covering the insurance costs or paying taxes in a mutual fund environment. So that's how you would, the strategy or process you would look at to informally fund your plan. Yeah, it's good. And, you know, if you're a large corporation, it's a, a little bit of a group effort to walk down this road. Uh, you know, HR may be involved uh, in that conversation. Um, especially from a perception angle, 
because uh, HR is probably leading the conversation as far as the, the participant communication. Um, so if you're uh, funding the plan, then you want to make sure you're communicating the fact that you're funding the plan. So it, it, it goes back to our point in the last podcast of uh, it, whether it's a, whether it's simply, you know, outlining how you fund it or even putting in a rabbi trust at that level of protection. Um, but the uh, finance is also involved that treasury is also involved in that, making sure everybody who needs to be involved in that conversation um, understands it in ways, the, the pros and cons to uh, putting any of those levels of funding in place. But again, we, we, uh, you know, unless you're a very large corporation that is used to self-funding uh, other types of benefits, whether it's health or uh, any other types of benefits that you have out there, whether you're used to that um, is part of the question. But most of the time, uh, there's an opportunity and an advantage to go ahead and get funding that and putting that aside to pay that future benefit, uh, just from a prudent, uh, a prudent standpoint. Um, so, Mark, Matt, what other what other uh, areas to to be aware of as people think through the funding aspect of a plan like this? I guess that's generally the most day to day aspect of you know plan administration. Doing the if there's payroll involved, involved if there's uh, participant deferrals involved you know, having that kind of ongoing, maybe it's weekly, bi-weekly, bi-monthly, however often that is, that's generally, the funding part is generally the most um, administratively intense part. And it's routine, it should be very simple, um, but just as far as making sure everybody's on the same page, uh, making sure that we've got the systems in place, the checks in place, so that doesn't get off the rails. Uh, if there's, you know, a, a match involved, depending on how the plan is designed, then making sure that that's done correctly and done uniformly over and over. So just a matter of understanding that this is the most um, the most ongoing effort but it still can be made very easy just with some uh, simple systems going forward. So depending on how you're handling your other benefit plans or, you know, payroll, anything like that, in a, this should be a seamless integration with all that. We don't want this to be a burden to anyone within the organization. So that is as far as when it kind of hands over to payroll or HR, this is the part that you want to make sure there's very well-defined communication. So nothing gets off the rails. We've had to unwind some plans and fix some things in the past and it's doable, but it, it takes a lot more effort in fixing something than it did if we had just upfront made sure everybody was on the same page, everybody within the organization was doing what they're supposed to and you know just turn it into one more thing that they just need to do. Yeah. Very good. Any, any final thoughts, Mark? Uh, one other aspect we haven't just talked about is, you know, within the assets, you could have those assets held inside of a rabbi trust. That's right. Yeah. Which does provide another level of security 
you know, uh, as you recall that um, for participants, you know, this is a, uh, these assets are subject to claims of corporate creditors in the event of bankruptcy in a deferred compensation plan. So, you know, extra level of protection you can provide for plan participants is to, to set up a rabbi trust. Um, it doesn't exclude the bankruptcy risk, but it does prevent the corporation for using the assets for other measures. You know, you have to use it for paying uh, participant benefits and then still subject to claims of creditors, but um, uh, just something to consider, you know, as the plan gets larger, you know, most large corporations use a rabbi trust mm -hmm. uh, as, as a good feature um, to, to implement. And I can say just from working with participants directly, generally the questions that come up are going to be regarding, um, you know, the security of these assets. And there's a really big difference of being able to tell them that, hey, we've got, you know, the plan's informally funded, we've got assets set aside, and there's, you know, a, this rabbi trust that's set up in order to help protect that. You can really tell that that'll dissipate a lot of their concern when you're telling them these different features and kind of the uh, financial responsibility that the, the corporation's doing, showing that they're doing their part, they're doing what needs to be done to help protect and ensure these assets as much as possible. Yeah, it kind of brings it all together, doesn't it? If you have a rabbi trust, it means you're funding the plan, informally funding the plan. Uh, if you have a rabbi trust, you're, you're, you're cognizant of the, uh, the importance of communicating uh, and securing to the degree possible the benefit for the um, for the uh, participants, um, and you it, it, you know that also lends to a clarity around purpose. So all three of those things that that's where we see. And, and again, it's not for everybody, but most large corporations mm -hmm. and ones that uh, that that would have the potential for you know new management to come in and say, ah, well. Maybe we won't. Maybe we won't pay that benefit out in the future. So, um, I think it is important. To, that's a good. That's a good point there, Mark. What other thoughts? I think that's a pretty good overview. Of we covered, all, yeah, the, uh, the major aspects and opportunities, and um, hopefully, it's good information. Yeah. 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 Really, just making the funding piece the simplest piece is kind of the overall goal. And if the plan is designed right and the participants are bought in, it should really just take care of itself. It's just a matter of a little bit of logistics, making sure everybody's on the same page, designing the right strategy to put those informally funded assets into and set it and forget it. Very good. All right, guys, thanks for joining today and look forward to the next podcast. Thank you for listening to the Three Wins Podcast. We have links to some awesome resources in the show notes. And if you haven't already done so, please click subscribe so you won't miss any future episodes of the Three Wins Podcast. This is Sean Lydon signing off for now. Until next time, we'll see you then.